0: The following audio is from Summit Church. For more information on Summit Church, visit www.summitonline.tv. Hey, thank you so much for joining us today as we continue to walk through the Gospel of Luke. If you were with us last week, you heard me say that there are many things, many things in this world that we can and maybe even do fear but that we shouldn't. And the number one thing, really the only thing that we should fear is God. And as we continue to walk through Luke chapter 12, I'm actually going to skip a few verses and we will come back and get them after Easter. So we're not skipping them Permanently. We're just skipping them because I believe that the message today ties in so well to what we discussed last week. If you were unable to view that, you can go online and see that and get caught up. But I do think these go very, very well together. I do want to remind you that Easter is next Sunday, and so if you want to be in person, we're ready for you. We have services in Norman at 8.30 and 10.30. We have services in Oklahoma City at 9.30 and 11.30. We would love to see you, your friends and family at one of those services. But if you're not ready, if you can't make it, we will have our online offering at 10 a.m. just like we always do. So please, please choose to join us next week for Easter as we look at how precious the forgiveness of Jesus really is. Today, similar to last week, these are things we really shouldn't fear, but often we do. And today Jesus says, hey, hey church, don't worry. Don't worry. Don't worry about the little stuff. Don't worry about the big stuff. Just don't worry. And when we hear that, many of us instantly, instantly kind of go, huh, you're stepping on my toes, Jesus. You're stepping on my toes, Todd. Like, I, worry is kind of how I do life. I, I just have a tendency to overanalyze, to overthink, to over worry. And when you tell me not to, it just makes me worry more. And so I want to tread very lightly today with the words of Jesus. And I want us to look at maybe a way we can change our focus Because when Jesus says, don't worry about stuff, about your possessions, about the things that you have, the things that you may even covet, don't don't worry about your stuff. He has just told his disciples, and these are the verses we'll have to pick up after Easter, but he's just told his disciples to live so open-handedly that they then respond with, hey, but if we give everything away... How are we going to live? And Jesus goes, great question. Let me address that. If you live so generously that everything you have you give away, let me tell you how my Father will provide for you. And these truths are truths, church, that I think we all need to hear. Luke chapter 12, verses 22 and 23 says this. Then Jesus said to his disciples, Therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life. Oh, it's easy to say, hard to do. Don't worry about what you'll eat or about your body, what you will wear. For life is more than food and the body more than clothes. God has more for your life than your food and your fashion. Okay, and for some you're like, okay, I get that. I got it. But for others, we put so much stock in how we look and do we have this and do we have enough? that I want you to pause. Is there anything in your life right now, not necessarily food or fashion, but is there anything in your life right now that is a driving force? It compels you. It wakes you up in the morning. It causes you sleepless nights. Is there anything else besides God that is that driving force in your life right now? And that is what Jesus is saying. We need to address And you need to ask yourself, is that truly what should be driving you? Is it truly what should be keeping you awake at night, or is it God? And you're already seeing how this ties in to last week. Luke chapter 12, verse 24, it says, consider this. Literally, here's what that means. Learn carefully from. Okay, so anytime Jesus says, Learn carefully from something. We should pay attention to what it is, but look what comes next. Learn carefully from the ravens, the birds, the very, very genuine birds. They do not sow or reap. They have no storeroom or barn, yet God feeds them every day. They don't have a house, a mansion. They don't have a pantry yet God cares for them and how much more how much more valuable are you than the birds these flighty little guys they are carefree in life they don't have the benefit of barns they they manage to find food each and every day because God provides that for them how much more will God provide for you learn carefully from the ravens. Where is your trust? Their trust is not in their storage capacity. They just believe that every day they're going to find what they need. And so I ask you do you believe what Jesus is saying? That if you had nothing, each day you would wake up and have just as much as you needed. Would you you believe that? Would you learn from the birds? Jesus goes on, and, and this gets even more difficult. He goes on to say simply, just don't worry. Just don't worry. Luke chapter 12, verses 25 and 26. Who of you, by worrying, can add a single hour to your life? Oh, Jesus, that's harsh. Who among us can add an extra hour by worrying about every parcel of food we eat or every contaminant we might be exposed to? Who of us can actually change the longevity of our life? Who who can do that? Verse 26, since you cannot do this very little thing, why do you worry about the rest? Why? Why do you worry? Jesus is asking, It's a realistic question. How much time do you waste worrying? You can answer that to yourself. How much time do you waste worrying? You can't add time to your life. God knows the very minute for which you will perish. You can't do a dang thing about it. You can't change it. So why worry? Just live for him. This is not an eat, drink, and be merry sermon. It's not saying, hey, you can't do anything anyway, so just do whatever makes you feel best. That's not what this is. This is saying trust in the one who created you and who sustains you and who provides for you, not just in this life, but in eternity. Live for him. I don't have have this trust I need this. I need this right now. This, this isn't fair. Are those questions that you find yourself asking or statements you find yourself making about your life on a regular basis? I, I, this life just isn't adding up to what I thought it was gonna be. Why do you worry about those things? And, and I'm not trying to be Harsh, I'm trying to echo the words of Jesus. Why why do you worry about whether or not it's fair, about whether or not you need that, or you have or don't have this? Why do you spend time worrying about that? What you need is Him. For many people, this is very normal internal dialogue. I know it's true for me. But Jesus is saying, you have a finite amount of time on this earth. And why are you wasting it worrying when that worry will ultimately not produce another minute of life? It's not an easy argument to hear, but if you can step far enough away from it, it makes sense. You're worrying about tomorrow and missing today. Today. He goes on to say, maybe you need another illustration. You need to be more like a flower, all right? So we've already been told to be like a bird. Maybe we need to be more like a flower. Luke chapter 12, verses 27 and 28. Consider how the wildflower grows. They do not labor or spin. Yet I tell you, not even Solomon in all his splendor was dressed like one of these. Solomon, the wisest, wealthiest person to ever walk the face of the earth. Probably had some good duds. Not as beautiful as these wildflowers. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow, it's literally thrown in the fire, how much more will he clothe you? How much more? And then Jesus throws in a little jab. You of little faith. Hey, you are worth more than what God may have as his most beautiful creation. You're worth More than that to him. Why? Because you were created in his image for relationship with him. That's why you were created. Church, Jesus wants you to know this. His father, God, he's got you. He loves you. He will provide for you. He wants you to know this. If he provides for a random flower on the side of the road, he will provide for you. The flowers, they don't have to labor or spin. Now, this is going to get into some gender equality stuff, but it's very simple. Jesus is just saying men typically labored, women typically spun. He's not making any distinctions there other than The flowers don't do this and God still provides for them. So what happens here is that we need to understand how much God cares for the little things and how much more generous is he to his created image. Us, his humans, how much more so? I once heard this very offensive statement, but I want to share it. And it offended me, and it made me think, which oftentimes offensive statements either make us think or fight. And so I once heard this. Worry. So worrying is practical atheism. To worry is to practically deny God. And to worry is an affront to God. I heard that statement. Worry is practical atheism atheism, and an affront to God. I heard that and I went, no, that's that's not fair. That's not how God would see it. He knows that we're going to fall short. He knows that we're going to worry. He knows that we're going to stress over stuff. He knows this. It's not to deny him. It's not an affront to him. But then I realized I was just trying to justify my own worry, my own stress, my own anxiety. I I was trying to paint a picture that allowed my belief in God and my worry to coexist. I either believe that he can do what he says he's going to do, or I don't. I want my belief and my worry to just simultaneously live, and it doesn't really work that way. So I didn't like that quote. I still don't like that quote. And if you don't like that quote, then I didn't make that quote. That's not me. It's just what I heard one time that really didn't sit well. But it moved me. It moved me to look at my life and my faith And as Jesus continues, he circles back around and he just says, hey, the basics. These aren't even probably the things you're super worried about, but hey, the basics, he's got those. God God has you. He's made this theologically huge statement that God has you and to not trust is an affront against him. So here's what he says in Luke chapter 12, verses 29 and 30. And do not set your heart on what you'll eat or drink. Don't worry about it. For the pagan, the non-believer, okay, the pagan world runs after all such things. Their their belly is what drives them. Their desire for more, and, and honestly, even for gluttony, that's what drives them. And your Father knows that you need food and drink, So he's going to provide those for you. Your life doesn't have to be spent striving for more of this world, more of what you carnally desire. That's not how your life has to be spent because your heavenly father knows that you need to eat and drink to live. And he's going to provide that. He's going to give you that. God knows what you need, and he will give you those things. So then Jesus says, now that you can put some of that fear and worry aside, here's where I need your heart to be. And, and he goes there. He says, I need you to get your priorities right. Luke chapter 12, verses 31 and 30, through 34. But seek his kingdom, the kingdom of God. And then all these things will be given to you as well. Do not be afraid, little flock, for your, your father has been pleased to give you the kingdom. He's given you the keys to the kingdom. Sell your possessions and give them to the poor. And to the poor. Provide purses for yourselves that will not wear out. Where, where is that purse? It's a treasure in heaven that will never fail. There's no thief that can come near and no moth that can destroy For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. There's so much there. But to just unpack it slowly, what gets top priority in your life? What gets that number one seat? Jesus is saying it should be the kingdom of God, the rule and the reign of Christ on this earth and in your life and and then he but he breaks that down. Okay, how do we know that God has that top seat? He says the next indicator, the next thing will be your finances. It will be how tightly you hold on to what you have. That will be the next indicator as to whether or not you trust God and his kingdom. That will show all that we need to see. So your finances are you trusting in money or are you trusting in God? Are you giving generously? Or are you holding on tightly? Where's your treasure? Do you give to those who need help? Because Jesus says clearly, the way that you put your treasure in a purse it cannot be stolen. You put your treasure in a purse that, that cannot be destroyed by moth. The way you do that is by giving it away to those who are in need. And, and I, I do want to say this because this is very, very, very important. There are times when helping someone in need actually hurts them. But we cannot use that excuse every time to do nothing. We have to be wise. We have to be generous. We have to see that what we have has been given to us by God. Do you work harder for your four hundred and one k than you do for eternity? Let that marinate for a second. I've met with financial planners. If I if I can just get to here, then then I know I'm going to be secure, and my kids will have this and this. And it's where where is God in that? Is the, is there anything inherently wrong with financial planning? No. Is there anything? Wrong with having a retirement? No. Is there anything wrong with trusting in it more than God? Yes. Yes. And for those who have been blessed and are incredibly wealthy, then it is your job. It is your responsibility to meet those who are in need with your excess. And we don't like to hear that because we go, well, we have created this. We have made this. And that's what Jesus is saying is, no, what you worried about, what you literally spent your life striving for, um, that, that was all me. And I'm, I'm giving that to you so that you can then step into the gap for those who can't. And this is, this is not easy. I mean, we all know that. But it comes down to this very, very, very simple point, okay? And you can almost forget about everything else I've said if you can answer this question. Who do you love more? God or money? Jesus asked this multiple times in his life, and he tells us that that is a great test Because he says, you can't love both. You can't can't love God and money. So who do you love more? Do you fear being without money when in reality you would still have God? That's a good indicator. Your life was bought with a price. And because of that price, because of what Jesus did for you, you have been called to be the hands and feet of him, using your gifts and talents to serve the body, realizing that your breath, your life, your resources have been given to you to serve him. And by proxy, the marginalized and the hurting, that's who you serve. that's, That's how you directly serve him. This is how we can allow him to keep his promises. Just stick with me. If you were wondering how Jesus can say that Every person will have their food and drink and their clothes for this day. If you're wondering how he can make that promise, because you're going, is he just going to magically make it materialize? Is he going to just, you know, send it down from heaven? Well, he could, but do you want to know how the economy of the kingdom of heaven works? I've I've already discussed it. It's those who have more give to those who have less. And that's how he can promise that, you will have what you need. It's about the community. Let your life focus on others, not yourself. Make this your life's ambition and everything else will be added to you. And here's the cool part, church. I'm pretty close to done. When you do that, when you put the kingdom of God first, when you don't consider your treasures to be your own, when you just live knowing that God has you, when, when those things all come together, Watch your worry disappear. Watch it vanish. From worry, what Jesus is saying, and that's what's so cool about this. Freedom from worry is one of the evidences of seeking the kingdom of God first. Now, it's characterized by a few attributes, okay? But literally, hear that. Freedom from worry is an evidence of seeking the kingdom of God first. Now, Here's what it means. What you have, you realize, is a gift from God. It's not yours. You didn't didn't create that. That's God blessing you. So that's, that's first. Second, what you have is cared for by God, so you don't have to worry about it. You don't have to sit and fret at night that you might lose it all. What you have is cared for by God, and what you have is available to others who are in need. Two. Not feel that what you have is available for the good of the community makes your possessions, everything you have, it makes them stolen goods. Stolen from God, intentionally or unintentionally, it makes them stolen goods. We cling to what we have because we fear tomorrow. And Jesus says with a smile on his face, Don't worry. Don't worry. He's got you. He's got today and he's got you tomorrow. We have to trust in God for our eternity. And for those of you who have not made that choice, have not placed your trust in him, I would love to for you to make that decision today. We have to trust in God for our eternity. But in doing so, those who have made that decision, we trust him to give us life after death, but we don't trust him for a $500 bill that comes in the mail that we weren't expecting. How does that that play out? How can we trust him for something so, so huge and so impossible and then go, but I don't know if he's gonna come through on this one. We trust God with our life, with our eternity, and with our today. And for those of you listening, as we conclude today and as we enter into a time of prayer, there are those of you who are listening to this going, Todd, I can't possibly fathom that kind of trust because of this need. Fill in the blank. Then I'm going... I'm going to invite you to pray that God will meet that need and allow us as your church to come alongside you and pray that with you. And the only way we can do that is if you send in that prayer request to summitonline.tv forward slash prayer and put in there, This is my request and here's what I think will happen. I think in that moment, God will meet that request and it will happen in the form of someone within this church or within the kingdom of God going, oh, I've I've got this. I can meet that. Because that's exactly how God works. He saw you as his beloved creation, and you were in need? You were in need of a savior, and he said, I can, I can meet that. And the sacrifice was the life of his son, but he met that. And if he's willing to meet that need for you, I believe that he will meet you in any other need. And for those who are sitting here going, I, I can't think of a single need. Well, that's because God has placed you in a position to meet the needs of others. And so today I pray that as a church, we function like the kingdom, trusting that the God who loves each and every one of us the same will provide for us on a daily basis, allowing us to take our worry and just set it aside. Because... He's got you. Father, today as we respond, may we know beyond a shadow of a doubt that you have lordship over our lives, over our bodies, over our families, over our finances. You are God and you are good and you will give us what we need. For those who have more than we need, may we be generous with what you've given us so that, Lord, your kingdom can be a kingdom where all are cared for. You love us so much. We thank you for your son, Jesus. It's in his name we pray. Amen.